Welcome, citizens. I'm Allie Grauer. And I'm Drew Merzieski. And, and this, this is Warda. Quiet Year is a map game by Avery Alder. You define the struggles of a post-apocalyptic community and attempt to build something good within their quiet year. Every decision and every action is set against a backdrop of dwindling time and rising concern. We sat down to play The Quiet Year with our friends Cap and Nitai. You may know Cap from the Nerdy Show Network and Nitai from being around the Warder community and live streams on Twitch. We decided to tweak the quiet year to encompass not just one year, but several. We decided to give this game the finale treatment. That is to say, we scripted it, re-recorded it, and produced it for you here. The year is 4825, and the glimpse is Humanity Rising, Part 2. First summer, 4825. With the new year, we have decided to focus our attentions away from military matters and towards our people, as it should be. Radovan does not think that this is a good idea, that this will weaken us, but I disagree. With each passing season, our identity as humans grows stronger, more solid. I think a year dedicated to this will be wonderful. Lindsay has proposed that we have something we focus our attention towards, and so, this coming second autumn, we will be having our first Republic Exposition. Think of it as a country fair, mixed with an Armentine celebration and a Mechanica showcase. It will be a chance for all humans to come with their talents, their wares and achievements in one place and show us what they have. We have come so far since those first days. I am so happy that we are going to be able to see that progress in action. There is so much to get done. First Spring, 4825 Progress on the Republic Expo continues apace. We are in the thick of the design phase right now. There are so many details that I have an entire other journal just for them. But I'll not bore you with those details. I did want to give a brief update on the state sanctions we placed upon public displays of magic. We are seeing interesting side effects. It appears that some of our citizens are choosing to forego magic entirely, even Mechanica, in order to live more simply. Whole communities are voting to build smaller, more efficient homes, resurrecting skills from our ancient past, like hunting and gathering and something called bushcraft. There have been local laws passed in the districts about all lands becoming public lands. People are taking great pride in working with their hands and going back to simpler, more rustic times. That is not to say that we've foregone technological advancement. In fact, a great deal of the expo this second autumn will be dedicated to advancements in technology. 
but we are seeing more of the rustic and the modern mingling in ways I could not even dream of. While I was reviewing applications of the pavilion slots in the Expo's Hall of Technology, there was a particular inventive who caught my eye. She has apparently designed an engine that does not run on Mechanica, but rather on something she calls smoke water. I had her come in to do a demonstration, and I cannot stress enough how foul-smelling and combustive this smoke water substance is, but the engine itself is quite remarkable. The inventive, Felicity Grant, explained how the engine could be used to generate power for lights and wheelers and all sorts of things. I accepted her application right there, and I even put some of my own ration requisitions down on further study. I'd like to see where this leads. Goodness, it is a fantastic time to be alive! Update. First Spring 4825. After almost six years of being a community, we have compiled our first census. We are 87,529 citizens strong, stretched out over 67 districts. There are over 78,776 citizens, that's 90%, that are human. 6,127 citizens, that's 7%, that are half-gene, and 2,626 citizens, 3%, are full fay of some kind or another. Surprising even me, 96% of the population believe in the dragon, with only 4% still believing in either the Church of the Walking Gods, fay worship, as Lindsay calls it, or in the will of the world. I am hoping to release these numbers for the expo. I want others to see... First hand, how much we've grown. Second summer, 4825. I am so angry. Cagging Fen, I could rip this journal in two, burn all my papers. What is the point of all of this smish if this is what happens? I have half a mind to dump this whole republic and strike out on my own again. I bet I could make it to the weather wall before anyone even knew I was gone. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna calm down and explain. I just returned from a celebratory dinner in Radovan's honor. A dinner to honor, get this, his disobedience and cagging pride. At the start of the year, just after we announced the expo, we called another popularum. Many of the items on the docket were expo related, but we were blindsided by a request from Radovan to authorize another campaign into the adjoining territory of Waterline. Now, our long-term military goals have always been to take Waterline and secure the people as well as the shipbuilding yards there. But we agreed that this year we'd focus on internal issue and not military. Apparently, that doesn't matter to Radovan because he immediately advocated for this campaign. He explained that Waterline has been held by the Fae for too long and that thanks to recent reconnaissance, again, not sanctioned, he had discovered that it was not as fortified as we originally thought. He argued that this was perhaps even the last bit of territory we'd be able to secure before the Fae start to build serious defences. The vote was pushed through, and before I could blink, we had ourselves another campaign. Expo planning and acquisitions were put on hold as we were forced to focus our energy on deploying the Meidinger. Scales of all colours and ranks were called up to invade and secure the territory, with Radovan voted to lead them. The initial push went very well, minimal casualties, and it looked as if we might have a sweeping victory, not seen since we took Dogwood Ditch. 
I thought I could take my eyes off it for a second, finish some of my preparations for the expo, but Radovan took the opportunity to be an idiot. Under cover of darkness, he led and deployed the black scales, as well as a few groups of gold scales into the neutral wards. He attacked them, unprovoked, and securing a small town across the canal from us as a staging area. He did this without the knowledge or permission of the council. Not only that, but due to his detour, the Fae and Waterline were able to repel our initial advance and entrench themselves. It will be a protracted campaign on both fronts, mark my words. Lindsay and I were livid with him and demanded that he return for official censure, but when he arrived back at the capital, he was greeted as if he were the dragon himself. Flowers thrown from balconies, people thronging him in his black scales as they cheered him on. They chanted that he was Radovan the Sudden, champion of the dragon. When he finally arrived at the hall, practically the entire capital behind him, what were we to do? The people were with him. So honours, feasts, and accolades to Radovan the Conqueror, Radovan the Mighty, Radovan the Fenning Traitor. This will be the closest thing to a war we have encountered since we started the Republic. A war on two fronts. A war I am not sure we can win. Middle Spring, 4825. Tensions have been high since Radovan's liberation campaign began. Like I predicted, we are still fighting to secure Waterline, but now we have the front at the neutral wards to deal with as well. Progress on the expo has slowed to a standstill. I'll be lucky if I get a tent in the park with all the resources being diverted to Radovan's campaign. No. No, I won't be deterred by this. I'm going to make this expo happen. Right after I deal with the hostage situation. Right, so it's not really a hostage situation, but we did have some trouble in our furthest most settlement in District 81, in the far reaches of Ashhaven. It appears there was some altercation in the areas between District 81 and Pact territory. A few Fae and some humans got into a, a, a scuffle, and the wardens of the United Pact were called in. The humans were overpowered and arrested and taken to the United Pact. Lindsay has sent for Rom to move up his timetable and seek for peace with the Pact and the release of the humans as soon as possible. I am confident that Rom will be able to take care of it. After all, they are our citizens. It's not like the United Pact can hold them indefinitely. First Autumn, 4825 Apparently the United Pact can hold our people indefinitely. Rom and his entire delegation met with the United Pact this span, and not only were they denied access to our captured citizens, but they have been taken prisoner as well! We have no details on how or why. The only notice we've been given is that a pixie messenger arrived to state the facts. They have been taken into custody. The United Pact does not recognize our sovereignty and nothing else. I know it must feel like I'm making light of this, but I don't know what else to do. I doubt we will see Rom or his people ever again. He was a cagging, annoying fish boy, but I would be lying if I did not say he was one of us, no matter what Radovan thinks. He was there at the beginning. Even before the Republic, he was there with us. I want to go and demand we rescue our people, that we bring them home, but I don't think I have the votes. Knowing that the Republic is focused on the campaign means that even if I did have the votes, this wouldn't be a priority. We will be lucky if Radovan even mentions it next council meeting. 
Latter Spring, 4825. Dr. Ambleston is dead. He died yesterday, and we just received his official examination report. Dr. Ambleston was a hero to this Republic, but you won't find his name spoken in any speeches today, or even a monument to him and the countless human doctors he trained during the past two years. He is just one more dead fay, One more of Rahm's accomplishments swept away. The official report lists cause of death is old age, but Radovan made sure it was a military doctor who did the examination. I lived with my father too long not to smell a cover-up, and a bad one at that. I feel powerless now. Everything is spiralling out of control, and it feels like no matter what I do, I am ignored. Meanwhile, Radovan continues to gain support in the Populorum. His campaigns into Waterline and the neutral wards continue apace without the Council. Lindsay and I are not even invited to his war councils anymore. I feel this Republic is slipping through our fingers. And Lindsay doesn't even seem to care. Each day I come closer to the realization that this democratic system is horribly flawed. So many voices, so many gullible saps waiting to be conned. If my father was still around, I bet he'd have made a cagging, fine politician. Who am I kidding? He'd have wanted the whole thing to burn. This stupid, silly system of noise and sheep. But even though I see it for what it is, I can't help but believe in it. Everyone deserves their voice, they just need someone to help them know what voice is best. But what we need right now, what we'll need going forward, is someone to guide the Republic, and it won't be Lindsay, and I'll die before I let Radovan have his Republic for his own personal war machine. In that respect, I guess, I am like Father. I'd rather see it all burn to the ground than let it fall. Second Autumn, 4825 I looked forward to this exposition for so long. It's been my pet project for seasons, and I cannot even count the nights I went without sleep because I was working on it, dreaming of it, yearning for it. And here I am, surrounded by testaments of human ingenuity and spirit, and I can't even bring myself to eat my cherry pie. We really outdid ourselves with this expo. With a fraction of the resources I was promised, we've created something really special. Acres of land with rides and festivities. It's like those quaint country fairs, but on such a grand scale, I doubt anyone will even consider going back to maypoles and festive gourd judging. I can honestly say, I've never seen so many humans in one place laughing and smiling. The only downside is how unaware everyone is that Lindsay would see them all starving to death if that meant she could spend another day reading about the dragon. They aren't even aware that they're all fodder for Radovan's endless war on the Fae. It makes me sick. I can't stay long. We are due to be at the unveiling of another section of the Weather Wall. Our engineers are calling it the Cloud Veil, and it promises to be one more step in what Ram promised. A total barrier between us and the Fae. At least for now. Happy Expo Day. True Winter, 4825. Radovan has pulled the majority of his scales and Mightingo back, keeping the fronts manned over the winter with minimal personnel. He's come back to winter warm and comfortable here at home, so that means we have been forced to sit through endless meetings on his growing military-industrial complex. 
Countless designs have been placed before us for approval of battle wagons, heavy armament cannons, upgrades to existing weaponry, and troop loadout, and even war boats for the canals. Radovan looks like a child who's just been told he's actually the heir to a candy factory. He drones on and on with no regard for our thoughts or our opinions. I don't mind, though. Let him have his fun. It gives me a chance to write and to plan. The new year is dawning, and with it, I hope, a sunset for our dear friend Radovan the Sudden. First spring, 4826. War has never been something I enjoyed. History books will tell you that there hasn't been a full-scale conflict since the governor era, but that's smish. War is constant in Armengrad, only because it never looked like war. My father waged war all the time. Money was his weapon, and thugs his soldiers. Just because you don't swing a blade or fire an arm, it doesn't mean you're not fighting in a war. Personally, I put more stock in defense, or more recently, a strong and sudden invasion. But real war is ugly. There is no glory or honor in it. It's abhorrent. And I'm not talking about the blood and gut stuff. The real tragedy of war is the forgetting. Once the war is over, we almost try immediately to forget we ever did it. We look the other way when a soldier comes home without legs. We take down our flags and sing happier songs. The war served its purpose and now it's time to get back to the real business of living. But for many of us, that normal living will never be normal again. What am I trying to say here? What I'm trying to say is that the dragon has triumphed in Waterline. Our most lengthy invasion campaign has been won. We got the messages from Radovan last night. Faye retreating, humans liberated, cheering in the streets. But the scales that return will not return to find our streets lined with streamers. In fact, many of them will instead return to empty homes for perhaps a span, and then be sent to the real war, as Radovan calls it. The campaign into the neutral wards continues. It seems that for every town we take or advantage we gain, the Fey push back twice as hard. It is a bloody slog that has no end in sight. I can't help but think how we might have gained something great in Waterline, but the eyes of the Republic are so focused on what we might gain that they can't see when we should leave well enough alone. I see the numbers. I read the reports. We are losing in the East. I'm so tired. Maybe tomorrow will look better than today after this victory, but I doubt it. All I can do is try harder for those that need me. First Summer, 4826 Since we began this republic, we have found that First Summer brings two things. One, a return of warm weather and outdoor activity. And two, refugees from the other wards. These last few years, there always seem to be more and more that come to our gates seeking immigration into the Republic. We universally have accepted them in the past, but this year things are a little different. Reports have come back to me that there are a large number of full fae arriving with human spouses through the Cloud Veil. When I was growing up, 
I always knew that such things existed, even with the illegality of a human fey marriage, but that there are so many is quite astonishing to me. We've set up stations at our border to process them, but we are hitting snags with the council and the populorum. Radovan demands that we admit the humans, but deny the fey, if they did not submit to our public servitude, like Dr. Ambleston. I have begun a counter-movement to try to stop him from creating a slave caste in our society, but it's been slow going. The victories he has won for the Republic give him a great deal of clout. I am begging Lindsay to come and say something, but she has had her hands full with the Church of the Dragon. Apparently, they are seeking some sort of central leadership, and her name continues to be floated about as the only human worthy to have the title. I keep trying to tell her that her place is in the Council, but she has been difficult. I don't want to turn these fey away. I have spoken to many of them, and they do not hate humans. In fact, many of them love them, and are here to make sure that the ones they love have better lives. That is why we built this place. They deserve their place here with us. Until we can come to a conclusion, the fey human families have been given temporary lodging in District 73. I plan to visit next span to see what I can do to gather some stories and garner some sympathy with the Populorum. Oh, and the, uh, the updated census has been released. 200,000 strong. And if we let these people in, then we will be that much stronger. First Spring, 4826. It's a miracle! I mean, it would be if I believed in things like that, but without any other word for it. Currently, I will just say, it's a miracle. It's been a muckbarge of a season. I've spent almost every waking hour in the popularum screaming my head off, trying to get them to pass laws for the full fae that are requesting citizenship. I've protested and presented petitions and sob stories from the refugees, but it's been like pissing on a wall. All you get is backsplash and the wall doesn't care. We finally got enough repre to agree to a vote last night, so today was the day we finally came to a decision. Radovan was there, in person. He apparently flew from the front last night to be here and to show his face to garner more support for the Republic Property Act he has co-signed. We voted around noon, but I knew which way the wind was blowing. With Radovan here and his cronies backing him, there was a better chance of a Seely showing up than us winning the vote. Then, just before the voting commenced, Lindsay arrived and declared that it was the will of the dragon that the Fae be brought into the Republic as citizens. She threw the entire proceedings into chaos, but when the dust cleared, we had a compromise that, while not perfect, is enough. The full Fae will be sponsored by their human spouses and essentially become one citizen. That means the Fae will receive all the rights of being a citizen as long as they are married to a human. That means that they will vote as a couple, rather than as individuals, and can hold public office as a couple. No full fay will ever have a full say in the Republic. Also, the magic ban still stands. If they separate or divorce, the fay will lose the rights of a full citizen and become, instead, a half-citizen under the watch of the Republic until they marry again or become sponsored by a human. I'm not sure what the fay will do when they hear this. Many will probably stay but I can imagine some will move on to the other factions. Radovan isn't happy about all of this. From what I am hearing, he was hoping of conscripting the public property fay into the army to fight, but this will put a lid on that burnt stew. I asked Lindsay after we had adjourned why she did this. She smiled and said it was the will of the dragon. 
Of course, she did present a motion to annul all marriages made by the false religions of the Fae. That goes to vote next span, but I have a feeling it will pass. The Church of the Dragon will be busy the rest of the year, marrying everyone and making sure they're paid for their service, I bet. It's shrewd, but it's also a little backhanded and devious. Definitely something Father would appreciate. Second Summer, 4826. Over these past few years, I have remarked to my colleagues that we have been incredibly fortunate about illness in the Republic. Just after Stormfall, a lot of the lower wards were decimated by plagues. Among the humans, mind you. The Fae didn't seem to get sick, or if they did, they always had access to brownie doctors to alleviate their ailments. No such luck with us humans, though. It was during one of these that I found an injured and sick Lindsay and nursed her back to health. Those days are incredibly vivid in my mind. The sick and dying. The Fae almost running over us to escape to the outer tinth. The cries of people as sickness claimed them. Over these years, we've had few minor outbreaks in the Republic, but nothing outside of our control, thanks in no small part to Dr. Ambleston and the doctors he trained. But recently, we've been confronted with a confusing illness affecting the central capital and the adjacent districts. This illness manifests in fevers, delusions of grandeur, shortness of breath, sudden weakness, pallid skin, and finally, death. Our doctors are calling it a pox, but have yet to find the cause or anything like it in the books Dr. Ambleston left behind. The most curious thing is that the pox seems to not affect full fae or half-genes. Districts 5 through 8 are infected almost down to the last human, but not a single case has made itself known amongst those with fae essence. This is obviously causing a bit of a stir, especially since we started taking in full fae as citizens. Propositions headed by Radovan's lackeys are already starting to show support for deportation of full fae and half-genes. The blow to Radovan's pride after his last political defeat last season hit him harder than I would have expected. His campaign in the neutral wards does not appear to be progressing as he projected. They've almost reached a stalemate, and support for this protracted campaign is waning for Radovan. Sick in Autumn, 4826 I have taken a longer break from this journal than I intended to. Four seasons can be an eternity here, and so much has happened since my last entry. First, the highlights. The pox, as we are now calling it, continues to spread. We've had to quarantine off districts two through seven, which seemed to help, but slowly it continues to march across the Republic. We are now getting confirmed cases in the upper 30 districts. Currently, we have not been able to find a cure but certain methods have mitigated the worst of the effects, in most cases. The neutral ward campaign continues as well. We are not at a full stalemate. I've urged Radovan to come to some kind of armistice with the Fae, but he refuses. If this drags on another year, I swear I'll march to the neutral wards myself and broker a peace with them. It's ridiculous how stubborn Radovan can be. Lindsay continues to be no help in reining him in. In fact, the Church of the Dragon has taken a strange turn, in my opinion. The Great Wedding, the script's term, not mine, continues even now. Marriages are happening every day, sometimes even mass weddings. Hundreds of couples being read the same rites at the same time. It's a spectacle to see, that's for sure. But anyway, with the surge of marriages under the dragon, we're, we're having a lot more questions posed about them. 
Lindsay and I both know that there are no more words about the dragon other than what we have in the texts, but that hasn't stopped them from trying to find more. Lindsay is away from the capital district most spans, looking for an ancient library or something. She rambles when she talks about it, and I don't catch half of it. But that is slow going. So the clergy have taken to ingesting small doses of Lindworm venom and hallucinating. They call it communing with the dragon. They have scribes write down what people are seeing and then send it to Lindsay to review and maybe canonize. She says she might have enough to add to the current texts, but it's weird, right? I feel like it's weird. I sat in on one at Lindsay's request, and it was about an hour of groaning and then finally ten minutes of stream of consciousness talk. Something about the destiny of humanity is to drive the Fae away from the city. That the city is the inheritance of humanity. It's absurd. Why would the Seelie build a city that was meant to be the inheritance of humanity? Makes no sense. I need to go to bed. We're calling a popularum early next first spring, and the voting for the new repres starts tomorrow. Lots to get done. True Winter, 4826. Ram has returned. He walked out of the snow yesterday and demanded an audience with us. I'm still in shock. I thought we would never see him again, and yet here he is. We just left deliberations with him after eight hours. The gist is this. Ram has been sent by the United Pact to discuss our surrender to them. Apparently he's been soul-branded to do his best to get us to agree to becoming a part of the Pact. We refused, obviously, but he was adamant. He told us that the Pact has the delegation and the kidnapped citizens and that they will not hesitate to kill them if we do not surrender. I was ready to give him his answer right then, but he warned me not to. He told us that as long as we talked about it and deliberated, that it would give the others of the Pact time. He said that we were not to make any decisions and that if we met with him once a span, he could send reports and give us time to think of a plan. I could see the Rom I knew struggling with this Rom the Pact has sent us. It's heartbreaking and deeply disturbing. Lindsay has authorised that Rom be placed under house arrest while we sort this out. I always knew I didn't like the Pact, but now... We'll save you, Rom. We will. First Summer, 4827. Another year has come and gone. Summer's warmth is just now taking hold, and the ice and snow from true winter is melting. When I was younger, we'd always go down to the canals and watch the rising. With all the ice melting, the canals rise rather quickly, and it's always a good day to get in some good boat racing. Father used to sponsor a few races, and people would bet scads of Lara on it. They were usually rigged to come out in our favour, but I liked watching the spectacle of it all. Since I was thinking about Rising Day, I decided to go down to the canals for old times' sake. No boat races. But Radovan did have a flotilla of our experimental navy doing some manoeuvres. Since we were able to take Waterline, the production of armed canal boats, or war boats, has become one of Radovan's priorities. And since it was his priority, it became the Populorum's priority. Now, we have 30 ships with perhaps just as many on the way. From my spot on the hill, you can see past the canals at Cloudvale. Just beyond that wall of rain is the United Pact, and if there was no rain, you'd be able to see it. I forget sometimes how close they are. All it would take is a dozen skyships to bombard us, and then... I've had a lot of this military state business on my mind lately. 
Radovan is pushing us closer to becoming one, and I can tell that it has traction. People are scared, and that fear is what's driving us now. Personally, things look bleak, but I can't let that show. There is work to be done, Catherine. Smile. Eyes bright. First Spring, 4827 I have often been fond of playfully teasing Lindsay about all the time she spends searching for more information on the dragon. She'll return to council after spans in the wild, digging in the dirt, only to report she found nothing. The report always seems obvious to me. Of course she found nothing. The fact that we found anything at all to begin with defies logic. She has been doing these digs for years, and every year she returns and I tease her, probably a little too harshly sometimes. It looks like I'll have to eat those words, finally. Lindsay has spent the entire first spring down in Eastgate. She left just before first day time with a group of settlers to see if she could acquire more abandoned land. The settlements appear to have some initial success, but there were, until today, no mentions of Lindsay. However, Lindsay showed up for some council meetings today to announce that she has found something. Apparently, she stumbled onto some sort of ancient complex in the hills near the Eastgate Wall. She is not substantiating anything currently, but she did show us charcoal rubbings of wall reliefs and some renditions of cave paintings. One of the pictures could be, if you squint and turn your head sideways, a dragon, but I am sceptical. Whether or not this discovery turns out to be anything substantial, I don't know. But she did find something, and for that she deserves praise. Besides, if it doesn't work out with the religious narrative we've created, we can always amend it to fit. Sick in Summer, 4827 This is always the hottest part of the year and I hate it. You can't escape the heat no matter where you end up going. At least it might be bearable if I was down in Eastgate with Lindsay and Radovan, but no. I'm instead here, in the capital, dealing with quarantine issues. The pox seems to have calmed down since our last full outbreak. There are still those that suffer from it, but we have contained it due to quarantine, thankfully. We've had some issues with those who are infected escaping the quarantine areas, but that was dealt with rather quickly. I'm mostly here, in this hot hall, overseeing research. We have some of our best minds trying to determine what is causing the pox. Currently, there have been no answers and even more questions. We cannot figure out why this is only affecting our human population. We can't even find the source. If we don't find some answers soon, we will have a full-blown panic on our hands when we have another outbreak. Middle Spring, 4827 I owe Lindsay a season's supply of apricot wine, apparently. I bet her before she left last summer for the dig that she wouldn't find anything, and now word just got to me that she's found a vault or a library of some kind. No word on its actual contents as of yet, but cag me if she didn't find what she was looking for. She even rubbed it in my face by sending me an actual stone tablet with a depiction of the dragon on it. I'll have to put it in my office or I'll never hear the end of it. Word will spread of the library vault, and while I'm sure many will be elated, I am wary of the ultimate ramification of what this means. While my initial feelings on the dragon were ones of fascination and excitement, 
Watching what this religion does to people has made me take pause. People are willing to scar themselves, go to war, die, even harm those who don't believe in the dragon, all on the word and whim of something we created. Well, not created, but surely we cultivated this. We are the gardeners of this freak tree. My next season will be off, so I will have to head down to Eastgate and figure out what we are doing down there. What is Lindsay's next step with all of this? First Autumn, 4827. We called a special meeting in the Vault of the Dragon, as they are calling it, of our council. Rom was obviously not invited, but we have done without him for so long that we hardly think of him on the council anymore. I saw the vault firsthand today. If nothing else, it is impressive. Over the past season, Lindsay and her team have excavated the area and begun work on what they are calling a temple complex. Basically, she's planning a kagging city to go up here around this place. The vault itself is enormous, probably at least ten quaff fields stacked together. There are shelves upon shelves of books, but unlike the original texts we took from the cultists, these are not in our language. Lindsay is furious about it. All this knowledge, and absolutely no way to access it. We've made a call for anyone to come and attempt translation of even one page, but as of yet, no one has been successful. Not that it hasn't stopped people from trying. Lindsay might have a city planned, but unless she gets on that quick, the city is going to go up without her. People are flocking to this place. There is a veritable tent city going up around the complex as we speak. Our meetings consisted of talking about what we plan to do with the vault. We have a lot of ideas, but it's all speculation until we know what the texts actually say. Personally, this all seems far too convenient for me. The other strike is just going to hit any moment now, and I just hope that Lindsay can take it when it does. Latter Spring, 4827. We have a crisis on our hands. I apologize for being abrupt about that, but it's the most pressing thing on my mind as of late. After last season's meeting in the vault, we decided to go ahead and release what we have found of texts of the dragon. We had no idea the kind of mayhem that would be caused by announcing that. What I originally considered a flood of people coming to the complex was really only a trickle. Once we let the populace know that this site was more than just a historical site, but actually a holy site, people dropped what they were doing and descended like locusts upon this place. I haven't seen this kind of mass migration of people since Stormfall. Tens of thousands of humans already left their homes, their jobs, and everything else since they have built to come down here to the land of the dragon. Lindsay seems to think that this is a good thing, that this level of devotion shows that we've made the right choice, but all I can see are empty factories, abandoned fields, and deserted homes. We have worked so hard to build this place, and with one word, Lindsay has destroyed it. I'm being dramatic. It hasn't been destroyed, but if this keeps up, we are going to have a lot of hungry and displaced people on our hands. Second Autumn, 4827. The migration continues. Five seasons since we found the complex, and people are still leaving to be close to it. Word of the texts and the proof of the dragon have even reached the front lines of Radovan's campaign for the neutral wards. He returned to the council asking for edicts of execution. Apparently his soldiers are deserting in droves to be closer to the dragon. 
We denied him his request. There are too many people leaving. We'd have to kill thousands if he had his way. I reminded him that he was the one who instilled his devotion to the dragon and his followers. He replied to me, rage in his eyes, that I am the dragon. The devotion is to me. It was a slip, but it was a telling one. Well, more like a shouting one. I saw his face after he seemed to realize what he was saying. He's lucky Lindsay is down at the complex for the next few seasons. If she heard him say that, I can only imagine what she'd do. Radovan is crazy, but he's also angry and acting stupid. I don't think he actually believes himself to be the dragon. But I can't get the look in his eyes when he said it out of my mind. Either way, his campaign is finished. We've drafted the ceasefire and the formal retreat orders. By this time next season, Radovan's dreams of conquest of the neutral wards will be just a page in our history books. Good. We have more important things to worry about, like how we intend to feed thousands of pilgrims who have abandoned their jobs. And to make matters worse, true winter is almost here. Well, I guess if all else fails, the dragon will provide. Did that sound sarcastic enough? I hope it did. True Winter, 4827. I realized that I could not winter in the capital again this year, not with so many of our people moving in the snow to get to the complex. So I packed up what little I could gather and put together a caravan. Dragon judge me if people die doing this on my watch. I am not letting that happen. Just before we were supposed to head out though, I got a message that a new citizen wanted to speak to whoever was in charge. We get requests like this hundreds of times a day. And I almost ignored it, but the name caught my eye. Alice Mortimer. I knew the name because when I was a kid, I had a phase where I was obsessed with apples. Yeah, I know. I was a weird kid. I just liked them. They were a versatile food, and did you know that there are over 800 varieties of them? Anyway, I overheard my father talking about an apple tree growing inside of a library in the old Ardeo estate, and I begged him to let me go see it. I never did but I tried to learn everything I could about it. The caretaker of the tree and the library was named Alice Mortimer. Now, this Alice could have been any Alice Mortimer, but the nostalgia in me wanted to find out, so I requested that she join me for dinner the night before I set out on my winter caravan to the complex. Turns out, it was that Alice Mortimer. We had dinner and she was incredibly sweet, but she has this sadness behind her eyes that I know all too well. I expected to have a nice meal and pick a brain about apples and libraries, but our conversation at dinner turned to more ancient texts. Apparently, Alice did more than just water the apple tree. She claims to be one of the foremost human linguists in the city. I decided to put that to the test, and now we are headed to the complex to see if she can make heads or tails of the texts we found. In the meantime, I hope she can tell me her recipe for apple pie. The one she made for us recently was incredible. End of episode. Thank you for listening to Warda, which was created by Ali Grauer and Drew Merzieski. Warda is a proud part of the One Shot Podcast Network. Other fine One Shot podcasts include 
Modifier is an interview podcast with host Megan Dornbrock that's changing the game when it comes to changing games. Designers of every level are invited to discuss what prompted them to hack a game, the kind of play experience they seek to create, and the types of stories they're hoping to tell. In this episode of Warda, Catherine Clark was played by Allie Grauer. The music for Warda was written by Arnie Parrott, who can be found at atptunes.com. Additional background music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Sounds were provided by various user uploads on freesound.org. To learn more about Warda, visit welcometowarda.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at welcometowarda. You can support what we do here by joining our Patreon at patreon.com whimsyartifice. That's all for now. Thank you for listening.